I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and my guest today on What's Your Superpower is Mori Zolokovic. And from a young age, Mori faced a myriad of challenges, including hearing multiple voices in his head and grappling with severe depression. His innate curiosity led him to explore the field of brainwave entrainment, particularly when he noticed that rhythmic sounds seem to alter the perception of time and improve his mental state. Dissatisfied with the limiting efficacy of existing products, Murray sought, sought the expertise of leading authority in brainwave entrainment. This pivotal encounter equipped him with invaluable insights that were previously elusive. Armed with this newfound knowledge, Murray successfully migrated his own mental struggles. Now as a distinguished brainwave entrainment engineer, he is committed to enhancing the lives of others, offering a safe and more effective alternative to habit-forming medications. His journey from the adverse to expertise amplifies his relentless pursuit of innovation and his unwavering dedication to improving mental well-being. Welcome, Mori, and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Faye. It's a pleasure to be here. Good. Now, Mori, I want to know a little bit about you, your background, or know the listeners would like to know a little bit more about who you are, what you do, where you come from, and how you got to where you are today, working with with brainwave entrainment and talking to people about what that actually means as well. So just introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are. Sure. Thank you very much. So I am actually the world's first brainwave entrainment engineer. I can make that claim because I created the position. It's easy to be unique when you're the only one and when you create that uniqueness. So I spent the first 40 years of my life wanting to be dead. I literally walked around uh, thinking to myself, life is a disease for which there is no cure but death. And this is an affirmation that I repeated over and over and over again, thousands of times a day. At least it felt like thousands of times a day, probably closer to hundreds of times a day. Uh, I'd wake up every morning, stand up on my bed, draw my curtains, cross my fingers, and hope I would see mushroom clouds. Because if I saw mushroom clouds, it meant I didn't have to live through another day. I did try to end my own life at least half a dozen times. But if I have to think about it, one should have been enough if I really did want to end my life. When I realized that, and I realized that I didn't really want to end my life, I figured if I can't find a way to die, I have to find a way to live. And that's what really started me on my path. I spent the next 40 years looking for possible ways to help, even through the darkness, even through the yuck. <laughs> That's a very technical term, by the way. Look it up <laughs> if you need to in the dictionary. Yuck. <laughs> but yuck, yes, it's very, it's only a few letters or four letters, maybe three or four. It depends what country you're from. Yeah. But it has a very deep meaning, especially for me. So what I did was I started off with a place called the paper internet. For those of you too young to know what that is, that's a library. There used to be these very big buildings with something called a book 
And in these books were pages and in these pages were knowledge. So I was reading books about psychology and quantum physics. Yes, believe it or not, quantum physics was a thing back then, you know, it with the dinosaurs. Today, yeah, it still is today. <laughs> uh, along with the dinosaurs and the cave people I lived with, you know, all those people. So I studied uh, things like quantum physics, like psychology, like neurobiology and neurochemistry and a million different disciplines, everything I could get my hands on that would hopefully help me to understand why I was having these horrible thoughts all the time, why I was thinking and feeling the way I was. Eventually, because we don't have three hours to talk about it, I'll be skipping ahead now a few decades. Eventually, after trying literally hundreds or even thousands of different ways, hypnosis, meditation, various types of these things, EFT, MDR, all, all kinds of different techniques that all have benefit apparently, none of them helped me. And I kept looking, but every time I found something that might help, I got my hopes up. And then my hopes would drop because they didn't help. I finally came across this thing called brainwave entrainment. And through all my research and through all my learning about neurobiology and psychology and physics, it struck me that this was the key. This was my out. I tried it. Didn't help me at all. Then I tried other brands, if you will, other people's creations of it. Didn't help at all. And I suddenly realized that everybody was the same. Everybody was doing the same thing. So it wasn't any big surprise why if one didn't work, none of the others worked either. Mario, I, I have, me... I have Sorry, to ask ahead. you. Yeah. What's brainwave entrainment mean? So that ah. people understand what it actually means. It started somewhere, but you've advanced it a long way. But what yes. does it actually mean? So let's speak in normal terms. I'm sure everybody out there can relate to listening to music they like. And when often when people listen to music they like, they kind of randomly start tapping their toes and bop in their head. And we're not doing this on purpose. It's just happening kind of automatically as a result of being exposed to the music and the beat of the music. That is a form of entrainment where one system follows another system. So imagine my left hand and my right hand are neurons, which are brain cells. This is what brainwave entrainment does. This is the entrainment. This is your neuron. As it gets exposed, it starts mimicking or following the frequency of the first. That's what entrainment means. One system following another system in unison. So the idea is to get a stimulation. In this case, it was sound and sometimes visuals like light that I could impose on the senses. For visuals, it would be eyes. And for audio, it would be this ears that would send the signal to the brain to make your neurons, which are your brain cells, pulse at the same rate that the system that I'm presenting it with, the pulsed beat, if you will, the bump, 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 so that it follows. Bump, 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 bump. Everything's the same. The reason why that's important is I'm sure most of us have heard of alpha, theta, beta, delta, gamma. These are simply descriptors of ranges of brainwave activity. And what brainwave activity is really measuring is how many times the neuron, which is your brain cell, pulses an electric frequency, electric beat in a second. So it's not a frequency like e oh, 
it's a frequency like beep, 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 beep. So it's a pulse tone. That's how the neuron pulses electricity. It doesn't pulse like a heart. It just shoots this electric, this electric signal out every time or so many times per second, depending on how many times per second and the region of the brain that it's releasing these things, that dictates the kind of chemistry the brain produces. So gamma is so like 40 times a second as an example. Delta might be three times a second. Alpha might be 10 times a second. These are just generalities. That's what alpha means gamma. It's just a range of how many times per second the neuron is eliciting this electrical response. So the reason why the chemistry is important is that it's the chemistry that codes how you feel. So if you're happy, your brain is creating frequencies that create chemistry that allows you to feel good. If you're afraid, if you're startled, if you're angry, if you're upset, any emotion at all, any feeling at all, you don't notice it unless your brain creates a frequency that then creates a chemistry that then allows you to experience it. If you've ever been startled, that's the most effective way to be able to tell that what I'm saying is true. When people are startled, it's like this. And then all of a sudden you feel as if someone flipped a switch. That switch is your brain creating the chemistry saying, oh, oh this person's startled, better make them afraid now. Or startled, like that sudden awareness, that sudden rush of adrenaline, mm. that is all done by the brain. So the thing about entrainment is you put on an ordinary pair of headphones or in some cases a visual like glasses or even the screen of your phone for that matter. And the tones, the type of stimulation you're exposed to influences the activity of your brain. And by influencing the activity of your brain, it creates these different states and the ability for you to experience life differently. And it's all done with audio, with the combination of shh, ba 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 and with visuals, with other visual stimulation attached to those same sounds. And that's how brainwave entrainment works. You literally close your eyes, lie down, hit play. If you fall asleep, it matters not. It makes no difference at all. It will still Everything work. Happens. Yeah, it all happens automatically because of natural processes that I explained to you with the music. That's something called the frequency following response. So it's a natural effect in your brain and in your body that if you're exposed to a frequency or a pulsed beat or a rhythm that is within a certain range that your brain can discern, that you will start following that rhythm. Okay. So when you use this on someone, what do you do before to find out what sort of frequencies, because I'm sure there'd be different levels of frequencies for each individual person. And I'm just saying hearsay here because I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking there are so many different levels of depression and and um, people thinking about committing suicide and, you know, uh, mental health issues around. What is it? How do you determine which level of all those bomb bomb and frequencies that you need to use for an individual? So that's a great question. I'm actually not a coach and I'm not a doctor. So I do not actually apply these. I create systems and people use them themselves. So I use research to create generalized systems for any number of conditions. As an example, I have a system called Revitamind and Revitamind Ultra. 
that is used by uh, a series of doctors and clinicians all over the world to help people with Alzheimer's disease, with cognitive decline, with depression, sleep disorders, anxiety and stress, depression, because they find it's helpful for that. But they're using it themselves. It's not me. I can fine tune these for people if I get to know them and if they work with me. But that takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy. It turns out, though, there's a large body of research out there that can be applied to create a general result. Certain neurochemicals, like endorphins, feel good to everybody. So if I can elicit an endorphic response in the brain, that's going to help people to feel less pain. That's known. Uh, same thing with stress and anxiety and all these different things. There's certain brainwave patterns that elicit these responses. There's other brainwave patterns that kind of cancel out those responses. And if we can get the brain to learn how to create those states naturally by following the frequencies I'm presenting, which is a natural event that they that happens anyway, then it makes sense that they will be able to do better. So for depression, as an example, I'm not a doctor and I can't make claims. I tell people I offer a guarantee. Try it, use it regularly, and you tell me. Because you're right, everybody's different. Yeah. And, so not, when, and you know, clean water, clean air. Yeah. When you um, you show this research, you show this entrainment to doctors and scientists, what sort of... Um, responses do you get from them do they ask you questions or do they say go away this is you know rubbish or bs or whatever what do you think you're thinking you're doing what is it you know who who are those people those doctors or scientists or whomever um use this for their for their patients when i tried to get doctors interested in what i do they really wouldn't listen to me because who am I? I'm self-trained. I don't even have, you know, a medical degree. So why would they listen to me? And they don't for the most part. I've had the odd doctor here and there. There's a Dr. Kenneth Hanzarosh, who is one of the premier spinal surgeons in the United States. And he uses my work all the time. Uh, with respect to the neurological work, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who's one of the leading researchers in Alzheimer's disease, uh, when he was researching his recode program to help people with Alzheimer's and to even halt it and even reverse it in some cases, he found my work online on a website that I more or less forgotten I was paying for. And when he wrote about it in his New York Times bestselling book, and it was number one on the New York Times list, that gave me credibility. So now I have quite a few doctors in that field, you know, cognitive issues, Alzheimer's and they, these kinds of things. Yeah. Now they're giving me credibility because of Dr. Bredesen publishing about my recordings. Yeah. And they would be looking, I mean, they would be doing a lot of research and then finding your work, which enhances what they do in their yes. work as well. It's it's yeah. an enhancement on what they do. So it would increase the time of their research to be able to find better results or get better results by it can using help. yeah it can help yeah. with what they do so they combine the both of what they do and what you do together to get 
a better result for each of their patients. Which is not uncommon because in most protocols, there's more than one step. Yeah, yeah. More than one component. So it's not unusual to combine different theories and different techniques. You know, the sum is better than the greater of its parts. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you know, they say different things about Alzheimer's. If you keep keep active, eat good food, keep your brain active, et cetera, et cetera, it can slow down the process. If you know that you are a person that is someone that could suffer from Alzheimer's down the track. The thing is, we don't really know anything, but we know how to try to learn. So what we do is we look at the situation. We look at people who have Alzheimer's and we try to learn about their past. We try to learn about the kind of foods they were eating, the kind of chemicals they were exposing themselves to, their lifestyle. Is it sedentary? Do they exercise? Do they drink alcohol? Do they smoke cigarettes? Do they do drugs? You know, all these different things. So you try to piece together a model of what the average Alzheimer's patient might look like. And then you look at people who are of a similar age and still sharp. And you find out the food they're eating and you look at the, their level of physical activity and what they do. Do they read? Do they watch a lot of television? Do they, you know, all these different things. We try to examine everything we can about the people who both have and don't have, you know, the different cohorts. And we try to make assumptions based on what we learn. Now, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. There's people who smoke two packs a day and they live to be 120 and never get cancer. There's other amazing. people who have, you know, secondhand smoke exposure and they get cancer and die when they're 25. Mm-hmm. So there's never a hard and fast rule, but science tries to examine and learn as much as it can and then use that knowledge to make an inference. So we don't know anything, in my opinion. We just have what I call current understanding. And that current understanding should change and could change based on the information at hand and the data we have, which is why in my view, it's very important not to believe in fact. And it's very important not to believe in truth because these are things that close the human mind. If I believe something's a fact and true, why would I think about it? Like logically, why would I think about it creatively? I wouldn't because it's a fact, it's the truth. But if I think of something as, well, this is how I currently understand it based on the tools I have to measure it today, based on my understanding, based on my preconceived notions, based on how I'm interpreting the, you know, the stimuli that are around me, then I'm open to other stimuli. I'm open to other information that can give me an even different or better understanding and help me to see, I don't think anything is finite. I don't think anything stays the same because it doesn't stay the same. There can't be a truth about it because it's always changing. And truth doesn't change. Facts don't change. Look in the dictionary. It's not going to say changing all the time. It doesn't. <laughs> so that means truth doesn't work either. Neither does fact because it's always changing. There was a time when women suffering from hysteria had holes drilled in their head to let the evil spirits out. Oh, yeah. Because that was the truth. That was the belief. There was a time when women weren't believed to be citizens. They weren't believed to be human. They were subhuman. That's why they didn't have the right to vote. That's why they didn't have the right for this. They didn't have the right for that. They didn't have the right to work. There was a time when women couldn't smoke. I mean, boy, that was a good time. Little did they know how good they were. (laughs) But I mean, seriously, 
because that was a man thing to do. Men oh. are the and it Just wasn't, the it wasn't cigarettes, it was cigars. Yes, of course, or pipes, cigars. right? Yes, and yeah. pipes. But it, yeah. you know, when you said about uh, facts and truth, and and you really think about it, I mean, everyone has an opinion, and people put things on the internet which are accessible to anyone. So you can think, oh, I've got this almond. I'll go and check it on the internet and see what it says. But it's only an opinion. If it's not printed in a proper journal, which goes through all the research, which you would understand it to to go through, and before it's ever printed, but then down the track, what's printed now can change in the future because you find you find new facts, you find new truths, you find new you find different things that will enhance what's already been done and and maybe just... it was wrong in the first place do you know how many potential chemical uh cures or treatments you know pills literally have been pulled off the production line because ai has analyzed what humans analyzed and found them to be faulty found them mistaken? to be poisonous and all yeah or they're just no good they don't do anything they don't work. They don't do what they were claimed to do. Mm. The thing is that we as a race, we as a as a thoughtful being are, in my opinion, our biggest fault is that we know we're intelligent. Because we know we're intelligent, we're giving way too much credit to our conclusions. <laughs> and I don't think, again, I don't think there's such a thing as truth or fact. And I believe the that believing in truth or fact limits our ability and our capability. And when we have something like AI now, which can analyze at the speed of light, no matter how brilliant we are, no matter how intricate our brains are, and our brains can process faster than information, faster than AI can, but AI organizes it a lot better than we do. Puts it and in because of that, yeah. Yeah, and because of that, it can do so much more than we can do in this much time. So everything that was thought of as truth a hundred years ago has been shown not to be truth today. Everything that was a thousand years ago, not to be true 500 years ago. If everything through history, and this is my view, current view, if everything throughout history has been shown that we thought it was the truth, we thought it was a fact, but it was later proved wrong or different, then what makes us think that everything we believe now is true or a fact? It's literally a current understanding and that's all it is in my view as a scientist and as a human being it is much more fulfilling it is much more exciting to know that because we are always changing facts need to change too truth needs to change meaning there is no fact there is no truth because you know ancient wisdom is something i've never understood Everyone respects ancient wisdom. This was thought of 5,000 years ago. We have to follow it today. I think that is the biggest mistake that any of us can make. Ancient wisdom is beautiful as a starting point, but everything evolves. Everything changes. Hey, I used to have a full head of hair. Okay. Everything changes. It's supposed to change. If everything changes, then our belief systems need to change too. Our ancient wisdom needs to change also. It needs to be adapted for today, not for 
you know, six years ago, yes, not for today. 60 years ago, not for 600 years ago. It has to be adapted for today. I took this brainwave technology and I adapt it consistently and constantly. And when I'm gone, I fully expect others to take my work and grow it even farther because that is natural in my view in my current understanding it is natural for things to change to grow to to be redeveloped and reimagined re and rethought all the time and i believe that when i stop doing that because i can only speak for myself that when i stop doing that i'm no longer serving me or humanity or anybody and i currently believe that's the same for everybody i think we all need to understand that we, and I don't like using we, but I'm going to use it now, that we are not hard drives. We are processing units. I encourage everybody out there to stop just sucking in information and letting it sit in their head. And then when it's available to say, oh, Joe Blow said this, who cares what Joe Blow said? You know what, Faye? If you started telling me, oh, you know what? Tony Robbins says this and Tony Robbins says that, I will roll my eyes and think of I'm any way I can to get I'm out of this conversation. Going going there but, but you know not what? because i don't like tony robbins because if i'm talking to you faye i want to know what you think well you know what you know what i think there's there's a few things that you've said and i think you know ancient wisdom has a place but you know it evolves in the ancient times yeah <laughs> and it and it, it it evolves and it continues to evolve into different things and we we as humans are curious supposedly curious and we want to know more and i think with medicine modern medicine and the way it's going and how it's moving forward and change continually changing and you know the the pharmaceutical companies we won't even speak about them um but i think as humans we have to take responsibility for our own health and well-being and not just go to a doctor and a doctor says, oh, this, 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 and this, you need to take this, and you may need to take that. Okay, question it, ask why, and then go away and ha ha get a second opinion if you need to get a second opinion. And I, I can think of someone who was talking uh, about someone I know who said they had diverticulitis for years, this doctor had said it. And then they got a second opinion and they had a blocked bowel. Years. They'd gone through all this pain and everything. They've had the operation. So much better. The quality of life has changed by a simple second opinion. And I think that we as humans have to be responsible for our actions to take and say, why are you giving it to me? What's the consequences if I take that and that? What, what, what happens if I mix those two together? You know, and, and I know people on cocktails of drugs and you say, go back and ask your doctor why you're taking all this. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm thinking, oh, yes, you can, you know, but it's, it's society and we have this societal what is it, impression, I suppose, that we have to com convey or, or go along with society and do this and do that when 
No, you don't. You have to be curious and ask the questions so that you understand where you sit in the line of whatever it is and stop conforming. Sorry, I'm on my soapbox again. <laughs> Can't help myself. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's nice. Can't help myself. But yeah. it's creating that curiosity and what you did when you started was you you were in a life that created havoc with you every day. You didn't want to be here, but you didn't understand why you didn't want to be here. Then you decided that you would take your life into, take responsibility of your life and start doing some research to find something that could help you live a better quality life and then help others live a better quality life. So it's not just you doing it for you. You you took that responsibility. And I have to say, you said once there were books. There are still books. You can go into the most amazing libraries and see books. And books are my friend. I love books. Um, but, yes, there's the internet and, and it's a quick way. You don't have to go into the library and search. But it's really nice to be able to go there and look at the books and find things and do some research from the opinions of other people and then decipher it for yourself, whether it's truth for you or it's reality or whatever it might be. Yeah, I've, I've, that was reasonable. <laughs> that was good to me. <laughs> but, you know, Drop the mic. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting when you when you have these conversations like we're having, and you you know you say there's no truth or fact, they're facts for the moment, but those facts and that truth can change within seconds, in moments, in hours, in days, from people doing research and looking at. Okay, this is what I've got to work with now. What else can I do to make this even better? Sure. My issue with fact and truth is that most people stop thinking. So you have a unique perspective of fact and truth, that it's in the moment only, and it needs to keep proving itself. So you're always watching and you're always thinking. I believe in my experience, most people don't look at it that way. They see a fact as the fact and that's it. That's how they live their life the rest of their life. Nothing changes. Anything happens to prove it different, they ignore it or they fight against it because it goes against their belief system. So is for me, is it a fear or is it? I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not these people. I, I think it's just how they're brought up. You know, a lot of people are brought up and they end up voting the same as their parents. Not because they know anything, but because, oh, your parents voted this. My mom, dad, you vote this way. Okay, I'll vote this way too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a family thing, right? You yeah, know, or, uh, or, you have dinner or, on Friday nights because it's some special day in the religion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's a habit, right? You're brought up from a very young age. It becomes habitual. You don't know why you're doing it. You don't care why. It, you're just doing it because it's there. You know, birthdays. Why do we celebrate one day a year instead of our every day every year? I, I, for me, I celebrate every day. I don't celebrate one day. I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't celebrate Hanukkah. I don't celebrate birthdays. I celebrate every day. Every day must be celebrated because you wake up 
you can put your feet in the ground and you can say thank you for this amazing day, which I do most of the time. But I always say, you know, there's all these celebrations and these days for celebrating. Your birthday is the day you were born. Yes, I came to this world for a purpose. You must celebrate that day. But every day is a celebration because you're alive and you can you can do things, you can, you can make a change to maybe your life, but you can also, by doing things, make changes or get people to, to, you can't make people change, but you can have that conversation with them to create a thought process which they can take away and either make the change for the better or stay the same. And curiosity is one of the things that I say, I'm curious, I want to know. I don't understand how you do what you do, Maury, but I'm fascinated with it and what it can do and what the what possibilities it creates for people. And those doctors that have taken on board what you do to improve their work. Sure. And their work improves my work. Yeah. So it's, you know, complimentary. Yeah. So what would you say to people out there, anyone that they know that is going through, I think living with an issue, I I, I don't want to say it any other way, they're living sure. with an issue which could be a mental health issue, um, it could be a medical issue, um, it could be that the, they live with habitual things that, come from their family and their generations down and they don't want to change them because there might be a fear of upsetting somebody in their family or their generations or whatever. Change is change. doesn't matter what it is. I mean, you know, people, religions, you mentioned about, you know, having dinner on Friday night. Well, I can think of a few um cultures that do that and they bring their families together on a Friday night and they meet. I can think of cultures that cook a meal and they sit around the table and they eat the meal and then they sit and they have conversations. I think that one's fabulous. Um, Australia is a young country and we don't have the culture like other cultures that come in. We are a multi, multi, multicultural country these days. And you can learn from everyone. You don't have to take it on board, but you can learn, have a respect and have an appreciation for what they do, but you don't have to take it on board. Do your own thing. Yeah, you know, every I can't learn from someone who thinks like I do. So I like differences. Differences in culture, differences in thinking, all these things. That's how I learn. Again, someone who thinks like me is boring, meaning I bore myself <laughs> because I don't want to, you know, I already know what I think I know. I already feel what I feel. I don't get anything new from that. I get it from others. From me, I think that pain is misinterpreted. Discomfort is misinterpreted. Uh, feeling bad is misinterpreted. I don't think ultimately there is anything good or bad in this world. It's just the meaning I choose to give it. And if I choose to be afraid of something or be disgusted by something, 
or whatever, I'm going to react like this. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to raise my arms and I'm going to look away and back away. If instead of misinterpreting, and I consider that to be misinterpreting these days, if instead of misinterpreting that stimulation that was making me back away and close my eyes, instead of interpreting it as something bad or something to avoid, what if I interpret it as something trying to tell me something? And maybe the reason why it seems bad or uncomfortable is because I'm not listening. Mm. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I remember I played hooky from school. My mom was on the phone and she was cooking lunch or something. And, you know, mommy, mommy, play with me. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. And honey, I'm busy. Can you please just go in front of the TV and, you know, rest? You need to drink water and you need to rest. Well, of course, I didn't listen to her. I looked at the stovetop and the element was glowing yellow and orange and red. And I was so fascinated by it. So I started reaching out to touch it. And she said, honey, don't do that. You'll burn yourself because she caught me. Right. And so I retracted my arm and I went in again and it, without going, you know, into a long and drawn out story, I did this six or seven times. Each time she got louder and louder. The last time she was super loud and she slapped my hand really hard. Let me rephrase that the second last time, the <laughs> last time she, the last time she didn't catch me and I burned the shit out of, sorry, <laughs> I burned the crap out of my hand. I had scars here for like weeks and weeks and weeks, just of the element moral of the story, universe, God, your parents, <laughs> yourself are trying to tell you something. It loves you. It wants you to feel good. It wants you to feel happy. Happy feels good for a reason. Sad feels good for a reason too. And they're both positive reasons. So I wasn't listening. It got louder and more annoying and even more painful to try to get me to pay attention. I still wasn't paying attention. I ended up burning the crap out of my hand. Mm. Oral of the story is that's what the world does. The world tries it the nice way first. If I ignore it, it gets a little louder. And then it gets a little louder and then it gets a little louder, a little more obtrusive, a little more painful, a little more serious until I finally pay attention. And if I don't pay attention, I pay the ultimate price. So I believe that I need to, and by virtue of that, I believe others need to also pay attention to what's happening to them and realize that if they break their arm and they didn't feel pain, they may not go to a hospital. Mm. If they don't go to a hospital, the arm doesn't get set. If the arm doesn't get set, maybe it heals all weird and now you can't use it. Or maybe it gets infected and you have to have it amputated. But because you have pain, you go to a hospital. Because you have pain, they give you a procedure to fix it. And then they give you a sling and maybe a cast. And in six weeks, in a month or two, your arm is fine. Mm -hmm. Because you had pain. If you didn't have pain, you wouldn't have taken the action you needed to take. Pain is something to be grateful for. Mental pain too. Stop interpreting it, in my view, as something bad. It's there as the red light on the dashboard of your life. The red light pops up, you got to deal with it. Otherwise, larger problems loom. Mm -hmm. That's the trick. So if I'm depressed, if I'm sad, if I'm sick, if I'm in pain, and I don't know what any of it is, I go to a doctor, I go to this person, I go to that person, I go here, I go there, I read a book, I go on the internet. I understand, I aim to understand what's going on because I'm getting a hint. 
And that hint is the pain. That hint is the discomfort. That hint is the sadness. That hint is whatever. I, for 40 years, misinterpreted all of that to be depression. But it never got bad until I kept ignoring it and pretending it was just the world hating me. It's if I instead had the wisdom to think, I would have been a lot better a lot faster. Mm. But I wasn't. Mm. And and giving yourself that freedom to be able to think and ask questions and become curious as to why you're feeling like that. I mean, I say the universe is out there, um, and I'm going to say the universe is, has your life planned out, but, you know, you can change things in it if you choose to, but you can just go along with it. And some people say, oh, this is my lot in life, so I'm going to accept it. I don't think so. You've got to change it. If it doesn't, it's not serving you, you've just got to change it. Make something different. Make it, you know, we create this dis-ease in our bodies, which then eventually creates disease to wake us up and say, I was telling you, but you didn't take any notice. Come on. <laughs> You know, let's get yeah. real around here. That's the way it is. I couldn't agree with you more. It's simply just trying to give you a message or give me a message because I can only speak for myself. And that's it. If I don't listen, whose fault is that? And again, the pain is something to be grateful for. The red light comes on on the dashboard of your car, not to piss you off. It's to tell you something serious might happen if you ignore it. Mm. Mm. Don't ignore what your body tells you. Don't ignore what your mind tells you. You know, happiness feels happy for a reason. Sad feels sad for a reason. Happiness feels good for a reason. And it feels good because that's what you're supposed to be. Mm. That's why you feel that way. It's nature's way of enticing you to want more, to feel more. The sadness and the, and the anger and whatever else might be involved is there to show that we're not thinking or doing the right thing. People who say it's, you know, you're, it's impossible to be happy all the time. These people are, should be sued for hurting people. They should be assault. You know, they should be taken in, put in jail for assault because the people who believe them are misguided. Mm -hmm. We feel good and it feels good to feel good because you're supposed to feel good. Mm -hmm. Every minute of your life, you're supposed to feel good. Whether that happens or not, Okay. But the striving is always to feel good. Why is it when we walk into a room and you're happy and your friend is sad, they try to pull you down? I walk into a room, if I'm sad and I see someone who's happy, I let them raise me up. I want to be happy. I don't want to bring other people down. I don't mm. want to make other people feel like dirt like I felt. Mm. Mm. I want them to feel good. That's why I do what I do. 40 years of feeling like dirt was enough for me. Thanks very much. I'd say you have enough experience to be able to say that you want to feel good and not feel bad. And Oh, yeah, I, I'm not brilliant. I'm not wise. I'm stupid beyond belief. It took me 40 years to figure all this stuff out. That's not that. a smart person. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, your superpower is that you've created these amazing entrainments to be able to help people feel good 
start feeling good and move through what they're experiencing into something better in their life. So I think that's that's pretty good. And I think everyone wants to feel good, but sometimes they just don't know how to and they don't get the right the right help to be able to help them. I mean, yeah, I saw lots of things. I've seen lots of things and I'm not going to go into it. But it's things. Oh, Sorry. Little thing, even little things, you know, if, if watching a cat play with a ball of wool makes you smile, then go to YouTube, download or save the link or whatever you need to do to this video of a cat playing with wool. And you know what? Pay attention to yourself. And the very second you start feeling like, uh oh, I feel it coming. Pull out your phone, pull out, pull over in your car. If you're in your car, sit down. If you're in a mall, wherever you are, take a three minute break and hit play and stare at this silly little cat going, okay, and it's going to make you smile and it's going to make you feel good. Like, look at you. Look at you, Faye, right? Just from that little giggle, I know you had a rush of endorphins. When we, when I get depressed, when I used to get depressed, when I used to feel terrible, it was a horrible feeling. But there's a lot of little steps that happened before that horrible out of control feeling. And if I looked at the little picture of the kitty with the ball of wool, I wouldn't, I can literally cut myself off from going into that totally overboard depression. I can cut it off because I change the feeling when it's still changeable, as opposed to waiting for it to get totally out of control, totally off the rails. Mm. Pay attention. Every one of us can pay attention and we can learn those little warning signs of we're on our way, we're on our way, we're on our way. Even though it feels like that, it feels like I felt good and now I don't feel good. That's not what happened. There's always a series of things happening. And if it, if you pay attention to yourself, you'll learn those steps that are still, when it's still manageable and you'll be able to go, oh, okay, I can't stop it when I'm out of control, but I can stop it now. I yeah. can look at that little kitty with the ball of wool now <laughs> and it'll make me go, you know what I used to do? I still do it when I need to, when I start feeling little twinges, I go in front of a mirror. I used to go in front of a mirror. I don't need a mirror anymore. And I just go like, <laughs> a silly face. you see, but look at what it does to you. That's what it did to me too. That is endorphins. It releases dopamine. Everything gets released. That makes me feel good. It cuts things off. Now I don't have to do it in front of a mirror. Cause I just do it. And I know what I look like. I know I look like an idiot, but you know what? It's a funny idiot. It's like a court jester idiot. That's the kind of thing that you laugh. I don't care if I'm laughing at me or with me. I couldn't care less as long as I'm laughing. Laughing with you. <laughs> yeah, but that's my point, right? Yeah. We can do things to cut it off before it gets out of control. Mm. Everybody like, has those warnings. They just need to look for them. That's a bit like my, my little dog here. She's trying to get attention at the moment. So she went to my bookshelf and she ah. actually clawed a book out of the, the bookshelf. It's sitting on the floor. There was this clunk earlier on. It's like, <laughs> oh, come on, you. I want attention, you know. And, and you look at her and you can't get mad because she's so cute. But anyway, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Same yeah, it is exactly the same sort of thing. So in your case, you might take a little video of your doggy. So just in case your doggy's not around, when you feel a little yucky, you can have it there. You can have a picture of your dog there, like just okay. looking at you. Like, And how can you get mad at that? You can't. No. My wife says that about me, by the way. How can she get mad at you? 
she can't because like you know as soon as i do something stupid i look at her and i go <laughs> and this is a face that just melts her i mean with a beard with the gray hair and she goes oh you look like a little teacup doggy when you do that you know <laughs> oh, so yeah. i get a i get a get out of jail free card oh god Tell me. <laughs> right. okay um thanks maury for Thank such you. a fabulous conversation and we'll have to do it again sometime uh I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator. This has been another What's Your Superpower podcast. I guarantee you must listen to this podcast. Maury will give you some insightful information. You can either take it or leave it, but I think you should take it. It's bye from me for now. Thanks, Maury. Thanks, Faye. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>